We are in the second week of a series called The Great I Am. The Great I Am, and we launched it last week for Easter Sunday morning, and uh, just a great time of celebration here as we made much of our King, Jesus Christ, who is the I Am. Did you know that? Like Exodus 3, he's introduced, God introduces himself, personal name, I Am, but Jesus Christ says in John chapter 8, that's who I am. I am the I Am. And he starts introducing himself as greater than those around him. In fact, greater than the ones they would have thought of like Abraham. And a huge deal for them to start grasping who Jesus Christ is. Maybe a huge deal for us right here today and right now to grasp who Jesus Christ is. And uh, so we're in this series, The Great I Am. We're going to walk through the Gospel of John. And we're going to check out the different places where Christ introduces himself. I am, and then he fills in the blank. There's seven of those. Probably not without mistake on that, right? Seven, one of God's numbers that he uses very clearly to say, this is what I'm about. And there are seven I am statements within the Gospel of John. And so we're going to look at each one of those. So today we're looking at, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. So turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 6, starting in verse 22. John 6, 22. Lord, what are we supposed to learn about you? And Lord, how am I supposed to respond? Okay, that's how we approach this. Lord, what am I supposed to learn about you? Lord, how am I supposed to respond? All right, here we go. First point, do not come to Jesus just looking for a show. Do not come to Jesus just looking for a show. We've got these points in the outline in your bulletins there, and uh, hopefully you've noticed we've changed that bulletin up, and you can pull that middle insert out now, and that's got impact group questions and a reading plan and all the rest for the week for you all together there, all right? So make sure you use that. First point there, do not come to Jesus just looking for a show. And uh, let's make sure we understand where we're at here as we dive into this. In John chapter 6, what we've seen happen right before this is Jesus is talking to a group of people. He ends up drawing this massive crowd. Everybody say massive. Massive crowd. And in fact, as he's teaching them and sharing with them, and they're learning and they're beginning to get some of it, time just slips away. And all of a sudden, it's time for them to eat. And and so Jesus performs a miracle where he ends up feeding 5,000 with borderline nothing, right? And uh, as you actually look into the details of it, it turns out the 5,000 very well may just be the number of the men there, and uh, which means it could be upwards of 10 to 15,000 people. He's feeding a ton of people, a massive crowd, and he gives them all bread from pretty much nowhere, right? Just a little bit of starting point, and everybody say it was a miracle. It's a miracle. Right after it, everybody's exhausted, and all these people, a lot of them hanging around, and the disciples jump in a boat, and they take off to go to the other side. Jesus hangs back, And the disciples are out on their own. They get out on the water. Jesus ends up walking out to them on the water. Okay? And uh, everybody say it was a miracle. There's been a lot going on in the last 24 hours right before this comes down. Right? Miracle after miracle. And Jesus showing who he is to different people and revealing his greatness. And uh, all of a sudden the disciples and Jesus are now on the other side. And the next morning hits. And everybody else wakes up and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And we pick up the story here. All right, so here we go. It says, on the next day, remember after a couple of miracles, on the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered 
the boat with his disciples, but that the disciples had gone away alone. They started chatting with each other, and they're like, I didn't see him get in the boat. Do you see him get in the boat? I didn't see him get in the boat, man. I, he's got to be around here somewhere. I saw everybody else get in the boat. He didn't get in the boat. You sure he didn't get in the boat? I'm pretty sure he didn't get in the boat. That's what was going on as they passed the word around it. How in the world could he be gone from here? The disciples were the ones that left alone. And uh, it says, other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Because when a miracle gets performed, word rips. You know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, they come rushing at this thing, and now others are coming in to see what's going on and checking out the crowd and some of the other boats and the word of a miracle. And so when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, see, there's only one way you can find out that Jesus is not there, is you looked a lot, Right? So they're checking all over the place, they're looking behind rocks, they're going under shade trees, they're looking everywhere they can look, and they're like, he's not here, man, he's just not here. And Okay, so when they saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. Like, let's go find this Jesus, the one that just performed the miracle, the one that wowed us with his teaching, and let's hang with him for a little bit. They're seeking Jesus. Hang on, though. We're going to find a little bit about this seeking Jesus, and it isn't seeking quite the way we would think, okay? And uh, it says, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, and uh, that means teacher, right? So they come up, and they're like, hey, good teacher. And uh, so they're starting out with a compliment. Rabbi, when did you come here? In other words, you left us, right? And uh, have you ever had that moment, parents, where you go out for an evening and you come back and you're talking to your child and they're like, you left us. And uh, this is one of those moments where they're like, why did you leave? Where did you go? And uh, what's going on? You didn't even tell us what was happening. And Jesus answered them. Remember, we talked about the word answered last week. And uh, that word there very specifically means there's a challenge given and you're responding to the challenge. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, and that means, thank you very much, somebody who was here last week, that word means listen up, and uh, when we see truly, truly, it means what? Man, I'm telling you, when Christ decides to repeat something, you really want to listen well, and when he says truly, truly, like truth, truth, like listen up, and uh, truly, truly, it means, no, no, truly, truly, it means, there we go, that's much better, truly, truly, I say to you. You are seeking me, not because you saw the sign, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Checking it? Like, hey man, your seeking is a lot more physical and a lot more selfish than you want to admit. You're not even seeking me because there's a sign at hand. I fed 5,000 adult men and probably 10 to 15,000 people with very little and you should be in awe of God at work in this moment, and instead you're looking for your hunger to be filled again. Why did you leave us? Because it's already been a whole mealtime, and it's mealtime again. And uh, they're looking for the bread. And uh, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give to you. Do not work for the food that endures 
or that uh, perishes. Do not work for the food that perishes. Now, can we just say, he is speaking very specifically here to what their focus in life should be about. The everything you live for should be about, okay? So please hear me. It is not wrong to work to be able to pay some bills off. It is not wrong to be able to work and to be able to feed your family. Please feed your families, right? It is not wrong for us to take care of the physical needs of the physical day. That isn't wrong. But he's like, I'm telling you, your focus, your everything is about the physical. Dude, you've got to get off of that and uh, make sure you're focusing on the right thing. Don't be focusing on that which perishes, but the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Please notice future tense. The Son of Man will give to you. He's like, I'm just telling you, you should get pretty pumped up about the fact that I've got something that lasts not just for a moment. You're hungry again already. But for eternity, this will last. And uh, that's something I've got for you. And uh, All right. It says, for on him, God the Father set his seal. For on him, God the Father set his seal. And we better understand that Jesus Christ is God Almighty and he is God the Son and he is working with God the Father and the Holy Spirit sets a seal. And so there was a moment, right, where we've got God the Father speaking over Jesus and saying, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased and the Holy Spirit coming down and all three of them working together, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And uh, that is a huge God. Like, I don't know if I understand that. Then your God's getting a little bigger, right? How often do we work to get God in a box? And Christ is like, time to break the box wide open. Time for you to understand the greatness of your king. And uh, yes, I actually have food that lasts for eternal life, and the Son of Man will give that to you. They said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? What must we do to be doing the works of God? Kind of a weird question, quite frankly, when he just got done saying what he said, right? They turned this work statement into, okay, fine, then what are the works of God? Then what should I be doing? Because when I work for food that's physical, I know what I do. I build a chair. I go build a boat. I go work in a field. I know what those works are that gets me money for food. But what do I do when I'm doing the works of God? And uh, Jesus answered them. This is the work of God that you believe. Important pause there, right? If you say the words too fast, you can just skid right past it. And we're in church and we hear that word a lot, believe, and we just move right on. That you believe in him who he has sent. Jesus is like, you want to understand? You want to understand what God's called you to? Here's what he's called you to. Right here, man. Believing in the one he has sent. Now notice he doesn't say, believe in me. Right? He says, believe in the one he has sent. He uses this kind of third person-ish statement. Right? Do they understand what he's talking about? Well, uh, look what they say right after it. And uh, so he's saying, believe in the one that he has sent. Right? They said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? Do they get it? Do they get it? So they're not getting who he is exactly, but do they understand that he said, believe in me? 
He's like, believe in the one he sent. Okay, fine, do a sign that I might believe in you. Now, they're getting it. They're understanding a little bit. They don't get that he's God Almighty, but they do understand he just said, please believe in me, right? And we see in Romans 10, what are we supposed to believe? We believe that he has died on the cross, that he has risen from the dead. That's after this moment. These guys are being told, man, you need to believe. Believe who I am. Believe that I am sent from heaven above. Believe that I am God Almighty here in your presence. Begin to believe who I am. Grasp what it's about. And uh, believe. Understand that Jesus Christ is God Almighty. He has all authority and all power and trust in him. Believe. And uh, so they said to him, what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? Wouldn't this be an appropriate moment for Jesus to go, oh, I don't know. Maybe I'll feed 5,000 people. How about that sign? What do you mean give you a sign? Like, wouldn't it be important for a little temper tantrum to have gone down? If it were you and me, wouldn't you be like, are you serious? How many things do I have to do for you people? Do you realize these, come here, 12. Did I walk on the water for you last night? Say something, right? Like there's something going on where in the midst of the miracles, nothing, nothing. And why? What are they missing? And what are they not seeing? And well, they give you a little insight here. What work do you perform? And it's starting to get pretty showy sounding, isn't it? What work do you perform? In fact, now he goes on. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. That is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Our fathers ate manna. Do you know what the word manna means? It means, what is it? Did you know that? First time he came down, they come out and they're like, what is it? I don't know. That's the best Jewish accent I got. That's it. Like, they're like, what is it? What is it, man? Mana. Mana. And that's it. They started calling it that. Hey, did you get any what is it this morning? And like nobody has any definition of what this thing is other than it's food from heaven that showed up daily and they ate it and it gave them sustenance and they survived. Our fathers in the wilderness, they ate the what is it? And and they were fine. There was miracle giving of physical food to them, not once, but daily. Do you hear the challenge going on? Yeah, you did it once, man. But I'm asking you if you're ready to do it regularly, daily, all the time for us, like was done for our fathers. You want a sign? That's the sign Moses gave. Feed my stomach, please, daily. All right? And... uh it's fair to say these are fairly ungrateful people, right? Kind of missing the point. And uh, Jesus said to them, truly, truly. Not bad. We're getting a little better at that. We've got a lot of options today. It's coming up several times. All right. Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. All right. Now, I just read that like you'd read it. Now I'm going to say it like you and I would say it. Ready? Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses. Are you hearing a little bit of the tone? It was not Moses who gave that to you. It was your Father in heaven. Wake it up. Right? Come on, man. 
This is not the greatness of Moses you're talking about. This is the greatness of your father. Give your thanks to the right place. There's a borderline idolatry going on right now. Moses didn't do any of it. He was just there in a vehicle that was used in the midst by God Almighty and God the Father is the one that did it. It said, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Please notice now, present tense. My Father gives you the true bread. Everybody say, he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about himself. He's like, I'm just telling you, the Father's now giving you me. He says, the Father is giving you the true bread, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Let's let this settle for a moment. Jesus Christ talking about the bread of life. What got them on the bread topic? The people. They were hungry. They'd had a miracle. They brought up another bread miracle and the manna. And if you're going to do miracle, then that miracle needs to be repeated regularly or it ain't that big. And and so Jesus is staying on the bread topic. And he's like, fine, you want to talk about bread? I am the bread of life. The one that he sent is the bread of life, the true bread of life. And remember, he just got done describing the true bread of life coming from the Father brings eternal life. Man, you guys are hungering for the next 12 hours and what you get to eat. You need to be thinking about what you're going to eat and have and sustained from for the rest of eternity. Focus time. Stop thinking about the stomach and start thinking about the soul. It is time to get on with eternity. And uh, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said, sir, give us this bread, always. You hear it? Like, great, whatever. If that's the bread, then bring that bread. But just bring it regularly, always. Just keep bringing the eternal bread, the bread of heaven, whatever you want to call it, the one he sent bread, fine, bring it. Where is it? Let's do it. Get this sign on, and we're ready to trust in you then. And... uh Are they getting it? No. Not really getting it. And uh, what a sad moment that they're missing the main point. And uh, man, they were coming to him looking for the show. They were coming to him looking for the, fine, bring it this way, Jesus. Make it that way. Maybe if it's like this, we'll believe you. Maybe if you do it more repeatedly, we'll believe you. And we need to be careful we don't approach life that way, you know? where we miss it and we don't see what it really is that's going on. And uh, I'll just tell you this last week, I was studying and uh, digging into this passage. And uh, I have some reader glasses at home that I use, uh, especially when I'm looking into some of the original language stuff and just got to make sure you catch every little of the uh, lines and the accents. And so I've got the reader glasses on, and I'm looking through this thing, and I'm, I'm studying and digging in and loving it. And this was our uh, spring break week, so Alyssa was off, so she's home. She's sitting on the couch next to me, and I'm studying. 
and uh, as I'm digging through this and loving the learning and loving the, oh, I see what's going on here, and I get it, and then I got up to go get a pop, just get something that gives me a little caffeine kick as we're studying, and so I come back with the pop, and I sit down. I've got this pop. I set it down, and I pick my readers up, and I put them on. I'm like, holy cow. I can't see it all. I take my readers off again. I'm like, oh, that's better. Put it on. Unbelievable. Like in that short a time, my right eye just sort of, it's like it just drifted off. And, and, and then I'm like, no, no, it's not worse. It's like better. Like with the glasses on now, it's blurry. And with the glasses off, it's fine. Oh my word, my eye is getting better. I said, Jana, it's like this fast. And my right eye is healing. And, and then she says, are those Alyssa's glasses? I'm like, no, they fit on my head, fine. She's like, that's not really the measure. I, uh, I take them off, I hand them to Alyssa, and she goes, yeah, these are mine, Dad. Sets them down. I reach to get the glasses next to them. I'm like, oh, never mind. I'm still as old as I thought I was, right? And then I'm just telling you, what glasses we wear changes what we see. What glasses are you wearing when it comes to Jesus Christ? Are you coming looking for the show? Are you coming just looking for him to wow you with something, maybe do a felt need thing in the moment for you so you can get what you want? Or are you willing to have Jesus Christ be the God of the universe, king of everything, in charge of you, and you're ready to see him as that? Put on the right glasses, man. Don't just come for the show, all right? That's point number one. Point number two, come to him as the bread of life and you will never hunger. Believe in him and you will never thirst. Come to him as the bread of life and you will never hunger. Believe in him and you will never thirst. Remember they just said back here in uh, verse, the verse right before it, it says, they said to him, sir, give us this bread always, right? Completely not getting it. So Jesus is like, Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. Now, you may have heard this read sometime where the, you know, Jesus reads it very monotone. I am the bread of life, right? Or you've seen it in some video where he gives just sort of this. I think he said it like this. I am the bread of life. That's personal opinion. There's nothing in it that says it, but come on. He's like the one who he sent, the one who he sent. And they're like, fine, show us a sign. He's like, the sign is the bread, the bread that comes from heaven. They're like, show us the bread, give us the bread. Dude, I am the bread of life. Can we be more clear? Let's get this thing nailed down. Jesus is like, all right, fine. Very clear now for y'all. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Clear enough? Is that clear enough? Real answer. Is that clear enough? Man, that is pretty, pretty clear, right? Come to me. Believe in me. It's like, it is time for you to start having relationship with me. You grasp the greatness of who I am, and you're ready to go on an adventure where I'm in charge. Come to me. Believe in me. It means you're accepting the grandeur and the greatness and the divineness of your God, Jesus Christ. And uh, It says you will never hunger and you will never thirst. He's like, listen, I know your stomachs are growling, so we're going to stay on that hunger-thirst topic for a moment. 
You want to never hunger and never thirst? Come to me. Believe in me. Here's what he's not saying. You want to have your stomach full? Then just make sure you're hanging around with me and somehow... That's not the point. He's not talking about the stomach now. He's talking about the soul. And he's now using the metaphors and he's transitioning across. And please notice the words. Come and believe. Come and believe. Just say it with me. Come and believe. And what is he saying to do? Come and believe. That's it, man. Two steps. Come and believe. Uh, He who comes will not hunger. He who believes in me will not thirst. There is satisfaction in our Savior. There is eternity in our King. Jesus Christ has it in hand. It says, "But but I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. Jesus has already addressed them on their lack of belief. In fact, in verse 30, we see that belief coming out as they're like, show us a sign and uh, help us out here and to do something. And uh, they're not believing, they're not getting it, and they're missing it. And so he goes into verse 37. You're not believing and you're not getting it. Verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Man, verse 37 is a huge verse. And uh, please notice the context that it sits in. Verse 37 sits in a context where a bunch of people are not coming and not believing and they don't want to have anything to do with Christ and they want to show. And he's like, just so you know, all that the Father gives me will come. And so if you're not coming, then, well, then the Father must not be giving, right? And so he's making a statement here. And Jesus is answering a little bit of what's going on as they're not really getting it and not wanting to come to him. All that the Father gives me will come. How much of what the Father gives? All, man. It doesn't say some of who the Father gives will come. It says all the Father gives will come. So whoever the Father is giving, he's giving the wholeness of who's going to be saved. Okay? All the Father gives will come. Can we at least say this? In Jesus' view of salvation... God the Father plays a huge role. Fair? In Jesus' view of salvation, God the Father plays a huge role. And uh, all the Father gives will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. I will never cast out. And and whoever comes, I'm going to, everybody just say eternal. I'm never going to cast out. There is a guarantee of security in that, eternal security. Jesus Christ having it in hand. Why? Because the Father is initiating. All the Father gives will come. Father gives, people come, Christ saves, holds on to forever. That's the description, verse 37. Okay? And uh, verse 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Here we go again with the one who sent me. So the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, right? And the Father sent the Son here, and Jesus Christ has a role, and he will not lose those that are given to him. He will never cast them out. That's Jesus' role. Everybody say Jesus' role. Jesus' role is to never lose what the Father gives. Jesus' role, all right? That's Jesus' role. And uh, now... And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. There will be a resurrection. There will be an amazing celebration. 
1 Corinthians 15 speaks to this a bit as it talks about the dead in Christ shall rise first and there shall be a catching up in and a changing in the twinkling of an eye and there is going to be a massive thing going on as God literally puts down on this earth an understanding of the word resurrection like we have never tasted before. We get it here in the book as we read. We understand it conceptually, but we will be experiencing it. Praise be to God. And all of God's people said, man, there will be a resurrection. He will raise us up in the last day, those who believe in him. And he says, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing. Everybody say eternally secure. I will lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father. Okay, so that was the will for Jesus. Now here's the will of the Father for you and me. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And back to Jesus. And I will raise him up on the last day. You're going to hear that a couple more times. Christ loves that phrase here. And I will raise him up on the last day. And so Jesus' role, he is absolutely protecting and keeping to the end. And he will raise up. Our role says coming and believing, right? That those who look on him and believe in him, man, we are called to believe in him. So we have God the Father giving, God the Son keeping and raising up, and you and me believing, coming to him and believing. Salvation, man, there's a complexity to it, and it has a lot of roles in it. And God the Father has a role, and God the Son has a role, and God the Holy Spirit who convicts us of sin and righteousness and judgment has a role. And you and I, we have a role as we believe and confess him. And and we say it this way around here when we talk about salvation. There is God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. And the two exist in Scripture, and you have to have both or you're short-changing what Scripture says. God's sovereignty, all the Father gives will come, right? And I will lose none of them, Jesus says. God's sovereignty, there's an absoluteness in that. And yet, man's responsibility, if you believe in him, if you confess that he is Lord, you will be saved. Come to him and make him your king, my responsibility, Have you ever noticed how bad it goes when we try to take care of somebody else's responsibility? Have you ever noticed that? And uh, no, you've never noticed that? You're just sitting here. Don't leave me hanging. Have you ever noticed how bad it is when we try to own somebody else's responsibility? Okay. And uh, so really, God's going to be doing his role. That's his responsibility. But our responsibility is to understand who Jesus Christ is, to come and believe. And all of God's people said, okay. And so the fullness of salvation, there is God's sovereignty. The Father is invested. The Son is invested. And there is our role and responsibility in believing and confessing. And we see those two coming together here in this passage in a huge way. If your explanation of salvation belittles what God the Father or God the Son does, you need to change it. And if your explanation belittles the responsibility of believing and confessing, you need to change it. Both are true. And both are necessary in salvation, all right? So our call, let's just make it clear, just as Jesus did, as he made it real to everyone, what needed to happen. He says to all of them, you need to believe in me. Come to me, believe in me. Come, believe. Those two words are gonna be really important later on, so let's just say it again. What are the two words? Come, believe. 
Jesus is like, really important that you get your role in this common belief. Okay? And uh, he says here, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him would have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Guarantee of resurrection, Jesus Christ and his role. He's making clear to them that this is not just some chit-chat about food that will fill the stomach. He is talking about eternal salvation, the value of the soul, Christ's responsibility, being sent from heaven. He's like, just so you know this, there's going to be a book written about me called Colossians. And in Colossians chapter 1, you guys don't know this, but I'm like the creator of everything. That's who I am. I am the God of the universe. I spoke it into existence. My name is Jesus Christ. That's who I am. I bring this place to exist. I make you sustained as you exist before me. Even in your rebellion, I am in charge over all of this. And I'm telling you, my name is Jesus Christ, and my Father sent me from heaven. He is delivering up to them a massive statement of his authority. He is the I am. And all of God's people said, and last week we did some huge celebrating on who Jesus Christ is as the great I am. And we made much of his name. And as we dug in to who Jesus Christ was, we walked through time in worship, a time in the word, and then we went to a massive close song, The Great I Am, well named. The Great I Am is a close song. And at the end of that, it just continued to rise up in massive applause and cheers for Jesus Christ as we lift this roof off, man. Huge worship in this place. I love worshiping with you guys and making much of our king. And that's what it's all about. And what's it look like when the father draws? What's it look like when the son keeps? What does it look like when the spirit's moving and convicting? It looks like what we have going on in here on Sunday mornings. It looks like what we, I mean, you look at last week, we had, I forget even the numbers in here, but over 1,400 in here. We had 140 uh, in the other place in 309 at the 9 o'clock. We had 3,140 people in this place lifting up Christ and making much of his name. Amen. Amen. Afterwards, I had some people coming up that were new to the, thing, new to the church first day. That, <laughs> you got to love when that's first day. And they're like, man, is it like this all the time? And uh, partly, right, we don't do much different uh, from Easter to this. There's maybe just a little bit of difference in how we handle some of the flow, and then there's maybe a few more people, right? But otherwise, we're going after the same thing weekly. May God be celebrated in all we do. And one person came up and said to me, I'm just telling you, I don't know if I ever realized how important it was to understand who Jesus Christ was. I got a lot to think about. And... Uh, Man, God moving in this place and as believers getting more fired up, as unbelievers moving closer to Christ, as we just continue to make much of Christ, that's what it looks like when the Father draws and the Son holds on to and those who hear and see come and believe. And uh, that's what we're going after here. And a uh, simple statement, man, are you coming and believing in Christ? Are you making much of who he is? Are you coming to him and believing in him? Don't walk out of here today without stopping and putting your center in who Christ is. Lord, I believe that you are God. I believe that you have died on the cross and risen again. I confess you are in charge of my life. Take over. 
and hand your life to him. Come to him, believe in him. Those are two really important words, and we're going to see them pop up now in this third section in an important way. Come and believe. Point number three, grasp. Grasp the big point. Jesus' body and blood provide a life-saving value when we embrace him. Grasp the big point. Jesus' body and blood provide a life-saving value when we embrace him. Okay. It says, so the Jews grumbled about him. <laughs> because that's what you do when you don't want to believe and you're told a hard truth, right? And uh, grumbled. Do you know what grumbled sounds like? Oh, I can't believe said that. Can you believe you said that? I can't even believe that. And like thousands of them doing that. And this murmur comes across the crowd. And uh, as one who speaks to people, I can tell you, those are not sounds you like to hear. Right? And Jesus just delivered up the truth of who he is and their response. They grumbled about him and said, he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. He said that. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? You hearing it? They're like, seriously, dude? I know your dad. That's really, you want to go with this plan of attack? I, I like grew up with your family, man. Your mom's a good friend with my mom. Do you want me to go get my mom? What are, what are you talking about? I know you, right? And they're having a very real problem wrestling with the fully God, fully man. And they're wrestling with it right in front of them. And... Uh, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Well, he says it because it's true. He says it because you're not grasping the bigger picture. He says it because you're not seeing what's going on. You're not getting it. Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. Here's a reiteration of verse 37 again in verse, 30, in verse 44. No one's going to come to me unless the Father draws him. And your grumbling is indicating me you're not being drawn right now, right? And uh, no one's going to come unless the Father's drawn, and the Father has a role in salvation. And a huge deal. And, uh, Jesus is like, don't grumble. Gives it in the command form. I'm telling you, here's a fact you need to consider. The Father will draw, and those he draws will come, and I will raise them up on the last day. There's the resurrection statement again from Jesus Christ. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. They will all be, there's going to be this general teaching, Jesus Christ lifting up, lifted up before all men. There is an allness to Jesus Christ in the offer, okay? And, and those who are hearing and learning from the Father, will they come to him? As the Father works, as the Father draws, as the Father ends up giving over, they end up getting it and coming and believing. And it says, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. He's like, just so you know, you boys haven't seen the Father. I've seen the Father. Okay? And let's start talking about authority and position. Uh, I've been with the Father. No one sees him but me. Uh, he who is from God, he has seen the Father. Here we go. Ready? Truly, truly, listen up, right? Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. 
Whoever believes has eternal life. How do I get eternal life? I need to Whoever believes has eternal life. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you believe that he has risen from the dead and you're confessing him as Lord, you're believing in him, right? Whoever believes has eternal life. And uh, here we go again. Jesus is like, and for those of you who missed the uptake just a little bit ago, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Make sure you get who I am. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. I love this bluntness of Jesus. And they died. Jesus is like, you're going to need to get this pretty clear, boys. We're trying to do something way bigger than what Moses did. Stop looking for the small. That was the small. Start looking for the grand. And uh, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. They died. That was physical sustenance. Jesus is talking about spiritual sustenance from him. This is the bread that comes down from heaven. And... uh, so that one may eat of it and not die. Just so you know, this word this here is a word that they use in the original language in the Greek. It's kind of like he's pointing at himself. It's like this. There's a pointing to self going on as he's doing it. And this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that you may eat and not die. Man, you want a Moses miracle? Uh Uh-uh. We're doing way bigger, boys. You're not getting it yet. And uh, you need to eat of this bread, and you will have eternal life. I am the bread of life. And uh, then he says, this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that you, uh, when you eat of it, you may not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Who is the living bread? Who is the living bread? Jesus, Jesus man. He is the bread of life. And there is spiritual life that comes from Jesus. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. If anyone eats of this bread. Now, are you sensing the issue that's going to about ready to take place? We're getting a metaphor. Jesus is like, I'm bread. Eat the bread. Right? And so remember, how do we get eternal life? The word is, we believe. It says, believe and you will have eternal life. That's the very clear word. Now the metaphor word. Eat this bread. Eat this bread. And Jesus is beginning to shift to a full metaphor statement now. Eat this bread and you will live forever. And the bread that I will give you give uh, for the life of the world is my flesh. And uh, you and I, we get to know what that means. They didn't really get it. They didn't know about the cross. They didn't understand what was coming in Jesus' payment, Isaiah 53, and the promise that would be had, and the whipping that would occur, and the flesh torn, and the, the gift given of his life for you and for me, his flesh for you and for me, him for me. Just say it with me, him for me. Him for me, man. That's what he's talking about here. And these guys, they're kind of precursor to that. And he's like, I will give for the life of the world, and that is my flesh. You can only imagine. The gap of quiet as they're processing. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Uh, Did they miss the point? They're like, I think he just said cannibalism. I think he wants me to take a bite of his arm. 
I'm doing it. I'm going. I'm going to try to take a bite of his arm and see if that's what he means right now. And uh, is that what he means? That's not what he means, right? They missed the metaphor shift. As he says, you need to believe in me for eternal life. I am the bread of life. Eat this bread. He is not saying, take a bite of me, which, by the way, did become the thing that was passed around against Christ as he taught a form of cultic cannibalism. And uh, that's missing the point in a very grave manner, right? And uh, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, this had to be a choice moment, truly, truly, you guys are getting good on that uptake, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Jesus is like, you know what? They're not getting it, and I'm hearing the grumbling, and it's picking up steam, and I'm going to full-out metaphor, and those the Father gives will get it, and those who don't won't get it. So here we go. If you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. What did he just say? How do you have eternal life? Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood. What? What did he just get done saying? How do I get eternal life before? He said, if I come and believe. That's the clear statement. Now he's saying, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood. What's going on? This is a shift from the clear to the metaphor. And he's like, I want to make this very strong statement. There's going to be work done with my flesh and blood that you can't even imagine. And you are going to need to believe in that. And you are going to need to come to that. So you know what? Eat my flesh. Drink my blood. Deal with that metaphor. You'll get it later. That's what Christ is doing. And Remember, the key words are come and believe. Eat and drink. Come and believe. Eat and drink. That's what we're seeing as the shift here. The verbs that go from clear verb to a metaphor. And uh, Jesus now closes it out. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Hey, how many times have we heard that? Man, if anybody thinks that there is no resurrection, you might want to read John chapter 6. Like four times in here, we hear Christ saying, he's going to do some raising up. My flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. Clear word, abides in me. How do I do this feeding and drinking and relationship with him? Abide in me. And I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Again, pointing to himself. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread your fathers ate, then died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Please note verse 60. When many of the disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to this? This was a seat clearer. This was a disciple reducer. As he began to speak of believing in him as God Almighty and saying coming to him and believing in him is where it's at. They're the ones that came with the words to eat and drink. And so he stayed with the metaphor. But he makes it very clear eternal life. Our souls are at stake. May he be glorified.
And all of God's people said, man, come and believe. Eat and drink. Come and believe who Jesus Christ is. He is your almighty king. He is the God of the universe. He is the amazing one who spoke this world into existence and sustains it by his presence, and he's gone to the cross for you, him for me. We need nothing else but Christ. It is utterly satisfying to know him and to do a life with him. Come to him and believe in him. And all of God's people said, let's pray.